Welcome to Connect with Success with Dr. Lynette Scatiswatilla, where we help connect you with knowledge. Our mission is to lead you to a new and exciting way of understanding, responding to, and helping all those with autism. We hope to expand your thinking about how to best serve these amazing people and to support you in your daily struggles and celebrations. Welcome, everyone, to the next episode of Connect with Success, a podcast built around the success approach and the person who coined it, Dr. Lynette Scottiswatilla. And today's episode is a very special one because we're going to use this successful synthesis session to really talk about the whole success approach and the model that it brings uh, for treatment with those who are on the autism spectrum. So as we revisit this information, uh, we're going to help you integrate or synthesize the past concepts that we've discussed in previous episodes and uh, how it could be useful for your particular situation. But what really is impressive is that we really covered the basics of the whole success approach at this point, and then we're going to have some really cool episodes up and coming on how to apply the success approach to um, everyday events that you might be encountering with those who live on the spectrum. Lynette, what do you think we're going to be revisiting today? I think the best way to go about revisiting the seven pillars of the success approach um, is to think about the word transdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. We're back to where we started. Transdisciplinary concepts are kind of up and coming. I wish they were here a long, long, long time, but they're relatively new. And uh, they come under the guise of interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary, intercollaborative, all these terms about different disciplines talking and being in, in concert together surrounding any one child or group. So if you think about the seven pillars of the success approach and the methods that go with them, it gives us an opportunity to go back to square one and start thinking about ingredients for the pie, Mm -hmm. making a cake, making a pie. That's the analogy we try to use. Um, Or building a house, you know, the different layers, all these analogies that help us know multiple things coming together to support the whole. That is what we're going to be focusing on as a synthesis today. All right, welcome back to the message. Um, We are getting ready to um, kind of put a nice ribbon and bow on the success approach and what it is. And I think the thing that impresses me the most is that it's really the the components, the pillars of it, they aren't new. You're just rebranding it in a new way to make it meaningful uh, to use together. Like individually, it's not as strong as um, we might think it is, but it, when you pull the power of all of these different pillars together, it really makes for something holistic and, and worthwhile for the individual. It does, and the fact that these are tried and true pillars. So we think about um, developmental theory or developmental model. Everyone knows it, tried and true. People in development use it, and they use it well. If we think about social pragmatic theory, tried and true, we're using it in autism. We're using it to help kids connect and join. And all the theories together are also researched in concert. This is the beauty of the capstone that I conducted wherein the success approach was researched in its entirety, all seven theories together, Mm -hmm. and really showed in a very short time, specifically eight weeks, some great gains for the kids. So it's tried and true in the terms of 
each individual theory, but getting the theories together and the methods from these theories together is now more and more in the literature. Um, even speaking to the next um, study that's going to be conducted by the cohort at Gannon University that's doing another study on the older age group in individuals with autism. So we're excited about the fact that we are research-based in that sense and that it is evidence-based, which is so important for clinicians and professionals to home to. So well, let's talk about the success approach. What is the, I know it's an acronym, so let's yes. talk about what that acronym stands for. Yes, it's a, it's a sentence, actually, as we might remember. So I'll say the sentence, and then we're going to pick apart the middle part of it. So the sentence for success is strategic use of critical curriculum elicits supported sense-making. Okay. So the C and the C, critical curriculum, is all about transdisciplinary methods that a child or an adult need and the removal of any methods that they don't need. So to remind us, the success approach is all about providing what is necessary and removing what is not, which is a wonderful thing to be able to do for these kids who oftentimes come from a cookie-cutter approach program prior to us. Mm -hmm. So we take out what doesn't apply to them that they got inherent to that particular cookie-cutter approach and only put in its place what the child needs. And this is one reason why their needs get met faster and better because it's truly individualized. So the C and the C, this critical curriculum, means the just right methods and only the just right methods. And the beautiful thing is that it can be an OT method or it could be a speech method or a special ed method, or a method from the field of psychology. It often is one of those four. Mm -hmm. And then there's ancillary methods or theories that come into play, like behavioral optometry, or the theories and principles of dietary care or nutrition. So we have the luxury, and this is where it's fun to be success approach oriented. It's fun to fix problems that are kind of foundational. We get the opportunity to look at a child through many different lenses, we say. And there's, there's seven in particular, these pillars we keep talking about. But as we look at the child through these pillars, we see a part of them that another discipline probably can't see because it's not their set of glasses. Mm -hmm. And when you have seven of them, which is a lot, again, all these tried and true seven theories that help us to know and understand how kids with autism think, feel, function, etc. you get a pretty unique recipe. And the ingredients that we can each contribute, it's fun. It's like we're in a bakery shop somewhere in Watilla Bakery in Euclid, Ohio, <laughs> my wonderful in-laws. <laughs> Thank you, brother-in-law Donnie and Barb, for an amazing bakery. It is an amazing bakery. <laughs> yes, it is. It's their baking as a team all the different... Um, conjuring up the just right ingredients to make something very unique and potent and individual. And that's the beauty. It never gets old, Rich. It never gets old. Um, and, and I can speak from experience. You know, I have uh, two children who have gone through this success approach in terms of, of helping them achieve their success, which is what I love about the acronym itself is that it just spells it out for you and what you're hoping to achieve with uh, your own individuals who are on the spectrum. Um, so let's dig a little deeper into those pillars now. Um, the mm -hmm. first time that we talked about it was observing readiness. Yes. Readiness is an observable state of the human condition wherein the child or the adult is adequately prepared to meet the demands of the environment. It's a thing that is either there or is not. 
Oftentimes, if it's not there, understanding what the child needs to become ready is easy as pie Mm -hmm. (laughs) in our analogy. And so for someone who's practiced and knows, for the novice, it's not always so easy. So we have to help shed light on what is stopping the child from being ready. And sometimes it's an internal state of regulation. Um, The child is distracted or the child is hungry or the child simply can't sit still, whatever it is. But with the right kind of support, those things can change, and they do. So readiness is the foundation to any kind of performance. And so observing readiness is is understanding when the person is ready to receive new information. That's right. And when they do receive new information, we hope that there is sense made about what they're receiving. And so when we look at the Gestalt theory of how sense is made and how we move through what we call the cycle of awareness as we're trying to discern and extract meaning in life, we must be ready before we can be on this circular journey of how we come to understand and then make sense of life. And one of the things that's so cool about kids with um, autism is once they have access to what they're supposed to make contact with, and that's by way of us joining them on their process to make sense, um, they do make sense in natural and normal ways. So if we want to teach the concept of up to a toddler with autism who doesn't necessarily have that word or that notion in their head, to do it in a way with a parachute that is pretty big and pretty salient and pretty colorful and pretty exciting and highly sensory in terms of its value, it's going to penetrate the child's nervous system, the child's thought process, and have them experience up because literally this huge piece of fabric went up in front of them. And as soon as it's up, they have the opportunity to know up because they are now under. under. Gives them context. <laughs> it gives them context. That's a be- Of course, the teacher speaks to context. <laughs> there you go. Right. And so that situational learning, that being in the moment, that experiential association gets in. But it's not the only kind of up. A parachute isn't the only thing that goes up. Guess what else goes up? A zipper when you're putting your coat on. You're zipping your jacket. Or your hand when you have an answer for a question. All the things that we know and take for granted that have the directionality of up can and should be made available to the child, giving them access to the concepts in whatever crazy, creative, overt way that needs to be rendered. You know, when I went through the training, and I think you discussed this in the um, sense-making episode, was the word trunk. Yeah, And it still sticks in my head about, wow, yeah. there are very different ways of thinking trunk. So many. So if you're um, the kind of child that will get to information processing, gets stuck by that, then you're kind of trapped in only understanding a certain kind of trunk. Right. And so we go from observing readiness and then being able to make sense of uh, that. And then we move into sensory processing. So sensory integration is kind of the basis or the primitive part of our pillars that help the child to have the ability to interpret and make sense of the sensory experiences coming both within their body and the external environment. And it's easy things that we don't think about because this, again, is at the brainstem level, right? Remember, Mm -hmm. that's way down deep in the brain. And so it's things like temperature. It's things like sound, smell, what we see with our eyes, what we're feeling through our sense of touch. And if all that is coordinated well and integrated well, then the brain is able to do other things with itself like think and function versus process information and get sort of stuck in that. So these primitive centers of the brain, a lot of times in autism, aren't integrated properly. And so we need sensory integration theory and methods to help fix that. And so what we've done in the first part and with these three pillars uh, that we've discussed of the seven so far, we've, we've gone really to 
the behind the scenes work of how the brain is interpreting mm -hmm. and, and being able to make sense and, and to process that information. So we've hit the middle pillar now, mm -hmm. which is learning styles. That's right. And that's tied to the theory of information processing. So this is your very Piagetian, very developmental, cognitive kind of uh, theory and method. And what we talk about in information processing, which you'll remember from earlier episodes, is the word schema. So we know schema is simply a mental representation of a set of events. And I love to talk about it for the daddies out there that they have a great schema for providing for their family and taking care of vehicles and things like changing a tire. Mm -hmm. And the mommies out there have a great schema or have a mental representation for things like shopping, making dinner, and making uh, meals and things that help sustain their children. And so um, we want to honor both of those as very important roles, but trust and know that each of those roles is possible because we have the wherewithal of how to do those simple little, maybe not so little, tasks that have a beginning, middle, and end, and lots of steps in between mm -hmm. that we have schema for. And so now that we're, we're into this, the, this phase of development and, and making sense of this understanding, we start moving into socialization. Yes. Um, within the spectrum of autism, we know that children have kind of a common core struggle, and that seems to be social pragmatic skills. So the social pragmatic theory helps us to understand the simplest of things like reciprocity, um, the ping pong of conversation, knowing um, when to respond and when to initiate conversation. That's a, that's a given for those of us that don't have autism. We kind of sense when it's our turn to talk and when it's our turn to respond, but it's not so easy for our kids. Um, we want to always make sure that we are honoring their needs to process information before we throw more information at them by way of a query. So a lot of times we think we're socializing with a child or modeling how to socialize when you, they say something, we say something to them like, what did you have for breakfast? Well, was it good? Well, did you finish all of it? Well, were you late for school because you didn't? And we're asking, 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 which throws the child into a responder mode. Mm -hmm. That gives us usually what kind of answers? One word answers. Right. That's not really a great discourse style, is it? Mm -hmm. So we want to make comments coming out of social pragmatic theory. We want to make comments about the environment or about the child. Um, and a comment might be like, well, I had pancakes for breakfast. And you just pause. And you see what the child says, which might be pancakes or, well, I had blueberries. Hmm. I bet you they were blue. That's not a question. That's mm -hmm. a comment. Right. They were, and they were sweet. Oh, that reminds me of strawberries. They're sweet, too. So you have this conversation about food. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Impromptu, because you're commenting and not asking. And that's right. a huge, huge learning um, discovery for a lot of our parents and teachers because they think the best way to get a child to be social and to talk is to ask. Mm -hmm. And it's actually, the, in my experience, the quite opposite. Oh, wow. And then we move into developmental basics, mm -hmm. which is the next pillar in TSA. That's right. We teach developmental basics or developmental model at this point in the course and at this point in the, the, the pillar presentation because it kind of grabs all of the other theories. Anybody working with kids or people across the lifespan really need to know and honor the developmental sequence of skill acquisition, which just means learning and being able to master skills. So, you know, I always, my go-to analogy is you never have a child run before they can walk. 
and they're not going to walk before they can sit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's a progression to how Mother Nature and the human body evolves, both brain and body. And the more you know that evolution and the linear trajectory that kids should be on, the more you can see where there's holes in your child and fill them. So trust your developmental pediatricians, trust your doctors that specialize in development, trust your occupational therapists. We are developmental specialists. Many other professions also have a good handle on development, and you want to make sure that you are building a strong foundation by filling the holes and then making that house more and more broad and sturdy and upright and multiple levels. And that trust at that level is huge. I mean, I just from personal experience, I know that we love um, – everyone that we come into contact with at Integrations Treatment Center who practice the success approach. It's a, it's a great partnership. Mm. Um, and that leads us to the next one. That's my, one of my favorite acronyms. Um, but the model of human occupation, yes. you know, the MOHO. MOHO. I get to say MOHO. That's right. <laughs> Such a fun one. So the model of human occupation comes from the field of occupational therapy, my own field. And it's also underscoring, as I mentioned. So what that means is it serves as a foundation to understand how our roles develop as human beings. And in order for anyone to really be able to occupy or be occupied in an occupational kind of way or a functional daily life kind of way, you have to have the basis of skills. You need motor skills, you need language skills, you need toileting skills, skills on every level. Mm -hmm. And when we have that basic base of the triangle and skills are strong, we start to develop habits and we start to do things in a routine sort of way where you're developing some good practice at not being able to, to be upright and hold pants and um, understand how to pull, but to actually put them on before you leave the house. So you have the skill, you work them into routines, you develop functional life skills, you can be out in society, you can engage the world, and as you do, you're learning about yourself and others and things like volition or personal causation, the highest center, the highest point of the triangle. And in that way, you're aspiring to do something with these skills you have and these roles you've developed, and you decide that you want to be a choir teacher, or you have a sense of belonging, um, you feel the most belong to a group of uh, people that grow roses, the rose, the garden club. Mm-hmm. So you find um, satisfaction and sort of this personal causation, you know, destiny over your life and how you want to live your life in what ways that bring you pleasure and joy and connectedness with others. This is actualization phase and realizing kind of where is. you fit into the, the puzzle. That's right. Self-actualization is a good way to think about the volition outcome of our life that we could not have very well. You can't be in the rose garden club if you can't socialize. Mm-hmm. And you can't socialize if, you, if you're not in a routine of dyad and conversation and ping-ponging of some of the things that we do in, as we talk and communicate to people. And so if you don't have some of those skills, you're not going to evolve in a way that's self-actualized. So that's a really good tie-in. Yeah, and the most recent episode that leads us to the next one is uh, behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And behavior we know very freshly from our last podcast is really just a response to a stimulus. So we want to really respect it and not give it any extra weight. A lot of us think behavior is a negative thing or maladaptive, and certainly kids with special needs in general or adults with special needs and even autism um, can struggle with behavior much of the time because those around them haven't fully asked or answered the question, why? Mm -hmm. 
Why is the child acting this way? There's a reason. Remember, there's an antecedent or a trigger behind the behavior. And just as important to the trigger is what we do about it in the consequence phase. So this interrelationship of A, B, C, antecedent or trigger, behavior and consequence, um, it's a wonderful little trifecta, and they definitely interrelate, but there's a lot that we can do to stop or inhibit or slow behavior, especially if it's maladaptive, by looking at the trigger and stopping the trigger from being a trigger. Yeah, and what we've really done is taken you through these uh, seven pillars of the success approach. Um, and I think as, as we're thinking about going through all these different pillars, that this is the same for everyone. But the mm. difference between this and, and TSA is the fact that TSA really helps bring to light how someone can interpret or make sense of um, their actualization as they go through each phase. Yeah. It does. It helps us learn about ourselves as parents, as adults. The success approach, it was designed for children with autism because there wasn't an adequate model out there, in my professional opinion. So I worked hard to do something about that with a number of wonderful people that also contributed some of the theories and helped me learn about that, mm -hmm. about them. Um, and so we do have this sort of gift upon us and although it's natural and it's seemingly linear, um, for kids with autism, many of these things aren't so linear. We have to go out of our way to engineer sense-making or go out of our way to help them quell their sensory sensitivities or go out of their way to make sure they have information processing and schema developed properly. So it's, it, any of these theories apply to everybody, but it was, it's, there, it's mandatory, in my opinion, or it's highly necessary for individuals with autism. All right, and we'll be right back with our challenge for this episode right after this. Well, as for our challenge, we are going to do something very unique. We are going to flip it and give it to Dr. Rich so he can give us this week's challenge. And I really think that our challenge for this week, just given the fact that we're looking at all these different pillars, is to challenge yourself to do some research on how this might help you or help those who you know who live with autism by going to successapproach.org, uh, which is the website that uh, we have our training on. And then you can see the services from Integrations Treatment Center and look at all their sister agencies just to see and, and look for yourself to see the great things um, that are possible. You can catch our podcast out there as well and see all the show notes that we have and resources that we have available for you. Uh, and just take a moment for yourself to take it all in. Do yourself some justice and take a little personal inventory on where you think you might fit into this puzzle and where you can seek the help of for those um, who need it. So as we wrap up this episode um, for this particular successful synthesis session, I just um, want to say that what really appeals to me about the success approach as a whole is the ability that a parent or professional has to reflect on themselves um, and their impact on those individuals uh, that live with autism. You know, in each step of the pillars that you are working through, wherever you may be in that process, you have the ability to stop and think about what impact has been made? Um, where do I fit into this puzzle? And, and more so, how can I redirect and help the situation? And, and, and any person as they're learning to navigate the world as they see it. And I think that's the beauty of the success approach is that it's not just about the person receiving the treatment, it's about their team and their togetherness and the strength they have when they are together to form the perfect way to help the person make sense of the world around them. 
What would you say, Dr. Lynette? What do you think is the a great wrap-up for this episode? I think the wrap-up for this episode is to focus on the complexities of our children. They're multifaceted, beautifully unique individuals. And if we strive to honor that individuality, one or more of these seven pillars is going to help bring out the best in that child if we're truly individualizing what they need. And the beauty in this model is that there are many methods tied to each of those seven to get to that just right recipe. So I think if you consider yourself a baker, find those individual ingredients that make your recipe just right and enjoy the ride. I would even say, you know, if, if you're like me and you have trouble baking bread, that is where that analogy comes in for me. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to find the right yeast to make the loaf rise. Yes. And uh, the success approach does just that as, as in terms of a, of, a, of a human's potential. You know, I, I always think of, um, in, in terms of education, because that's my background, but to um, potential growth, you know, the growth potential in a human being. And I think that each one of us, despite our differences, um, really has that potential for growth. And TSA is just an amazing program to take your individual through uh, to help to realize that. Mm-hmm. I just want to take this moment to thank Lynette for, um, you know, helping us with this podcast, you know, for doing this podcast, because I think it's amazing information to get out to you guys. And I cannot wait to show you um, the next step in our journey, which is to take these pillars and to talk about things that we're experiencing in daily life and talk about it from the lens of the success approach and how you can help your individual with autism. So I really hope that you guys uh, have enjoyed these last couple of episodes where we've talked about, or all the episodes where we've talked about what the success approach is. Now buckle up and get ready for the journey as we talk about um, how we see life through the lens of the success approach. We would love for you to connect with us. Leave us feedback, a story, or a question you're thinking about through our SpeakPipe page. You can leave us an audio recording and ask away. Who knows, you may even be featured on one of our episodes. You can reach us at www.speakpipe.com forward slash connect with success and use your phone or computer to leave us a voice recording. We'll put the link in the show notes as well, but that's www.speakpipe.com forward slash connect with success. We hope that you learned something today to help you on your journey with autism. We'll share more on our next Connect with Success podcast. Until then, expect success. The Success Approach is a registered service mark protected under intellectual property law. Unless otherwise specified, all music, audiovisual, and proprietary content shared in this podcast is property of Autism Productions, LLC, and its sister agency, Integrations Treatment Center. The use of this content is unlawful without the expressed written consent of aforementioned agency. For more information about The Success Approach, please go to our website at www.thesuccessapproach.org.